be an indie means we buck a system that doesn't want us. To be a fringe filmmaker means we don't do it for them. We do it for ourselves. To be an outlaw on the fringe means we'll die before we fail. Be an outlaw. George, for some reason, people keep coming back to hear what you have to say. I don't understand it myself, especially not after last week. I'm just turning my phone off here because it's going nuts. Uh, yeah, see that? I wasn't show ready there. I had everything. I almost fucked everything up. Again? For the first time. I'm going to get the blame, George. I'm going to make it. It's going to happen. There's no, there's no such thing. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody to episode what number? I think it's 15. So, okay, we'll go with that. Uh, we'll welcome everybody to episode 15 of the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast. I'm your host, George C. Romero, and with me, as always, is Joe Ridgely. Tonight, we've got a pretty cool show. Uh, we're going to actually be making a couple of announcements tonight, so stick with us through the show for all of that. Uh, we're going to have FX maestro Joe Castro join us. Uh, we've got an old friend of the show coming on. Uh, David Lee Madison is here with us tonight. And finally, we're going to follow up with a very longtime friend of mine uh, and a dear friend of the uh, late, great, my dad, um, Steve Barton, Uncle Creepy, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just proud and honored to have him here. And we're going to be talking about some cool stuff. Before that, a little housekeeping, Joe. Where can they find the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast with your host, George C. Romero, and you? Joe Ridgely for audio only. That would be iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn, Radio Public, and Breaker. You've been practicing. <laughs> that scroll that? at the bottom really helps out. What do you do that in front of the mirror? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, do you have that other graphic? Because we've got something else very, very cool. I do have that other graphic. I shall pull that up right now. Sweet. That's it right there. We are now on Avail TV. Uh, if you're not familiar with Avail TV, uh, it's a pretty cool uh, AVOD platform that's available on Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, uh, all of those good places. Uh, and we've got our own uh, channel on there. The Romero Pictures Indie Brigade has its very own channel on Avail TV. Joe, what do you think about that? That is awesome. They're still loading the episodes up, so I think they're about halfway there right now, almost halfway there. Okay. Oh, well, you know, season one was eight episodes, and I think this is actually 16 because this is episode eight of season two. If and that is why... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, once again, I'm just going to throw this up there real quick. Take a swig. Welcome to episode 16 of Romero Pictures Indie Brigade Podcast. I'm your host, George C. Romero, and with me, as always, is Joe Ridgely. Scare Tactical, Outlaw Loadouts for the Indie Artist. Scare Tactical is a very cool clothing line that we have launched uh, with art designed by uh, Ian Steyer, uh, the writer of the Devil is Into Details blog, part of the Indie Brigade uh, network, I guess we're becoming, um, if you can call it that. Uh, Scare Tactical is very cool. We've got some awesome shirts, some cool mugs, and the nice thing about it is that for every purchase that you make, a portion of that sale goes directly into a bank account that will help us get the Veterans Compound uh, all set up and launched and squared away. 
Um, for anybody who doesn't know about the Veterans Compound, uh, it's a very, very cool program that we are working on setting up to help our vets uh, kind of transition into a future career in the film industry. Uh, it's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and it is probably the thing that I care most about leaving behind on this fucking earth. So help us help some vets and check out Scare Tactical. We've also got a bunch of other merch and a phenomenal mentor section uh, where you can book one-on-one -on -one time. If we don't answer your questions or we don't get to what you want to talk about or we kind of touch on a subject that you feel uh, you need some more depth into, book a session with one of the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade mentors. Uh, it's a two-hour session uh, to start with and then, uh, you know, we've had some great success stories come out of that already. So, uh, hook it up if you need some personal one-on-one -on -one time. And why don't you give a shout out to some of the other programs we have under the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade. Yeah, this is what I was talking about when I say that we've basically kind of got a network here going. We've got the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade, which you're watching right now. Uh, we've got the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade Drone Cav with our very own resident drone god, drone Jesus, if you will. <laughs> Uh, Terry Gerald. Um, it's a phenomenal place to learn everything you never wanted to learn about drones and all the stuff you do want to learn. Terry's forgotten more than most of us will ever learn, so check it out and learn from the guy. Uh, we've also got uh, Nasty Nation here, hosted by Chuck Daniels. That's a great audio podcast. And speaking of Nasty Nation, uh, Chuck Daniels and his band, Bastard Sons of the Judas Goat, are going to be playing in Louisville, Kentucky at the Mag Bar uh, March 6th. Uh, so go and check him out if you want to see him in real life and see what him and his band are into. They're great. Uh, next, we've got the Wagner Wiles. Uh, Wagner Wiles are picking up some steam uh, with their fan base. They've got some amazing fans, and I think it's because, you know, Lance and Samantha Wagner are, are two of the best fans of, of everything genre and horror that I've ever met. Uh, they're two, also two of the greatest people. So we're thrilled to have them uh, have their own show on the uh, Indie Brigade. Uh, and then we've got The Devil is Into Detail, which I spoke about earlier by uh, Ian Steyer. That is one of the most in-depth blogs you'll ever read when it comes to uh, our inner creative. And anybody who has watched this show or knows me or knows anything about me knows that I believe deeply in nurturing or disciplining our own inner creative so that we get to a place of trust with it. Ian is very good at putting that into words. So if you're an inner creative, terminally creative, Check it out. Read what he's got to say. It's pretty amazing stuff. And we're adding to it. So We are adding to it, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So what I'm going to do now is I am going to bring up our first guest of the evening. <clears throat> and I will let you introduce the man. Right now we're bringing up Mr. Joe Castro. Joe, how's it going? Sorry it takes – the bigger we get, oh the goodness. longer it takes me to make all the opening announcements and shit. It's crazy. That's amazing. That's uh, amazing progress, and uh, it's good to see that the Indie Brigade, Indie Brigade is thriving. Yeah, man. I mean, especially since the last time you were on the show formally. I mean, you know, it's crazy, right, how, to, to just see how much what we're doing seems to be resonating with some people. And, you know, when we started this, I just never would have thought. I just well, thought, I, you know, I thought it was going to be me rambling, you know, from a dark corner somewhere in the fetal position. Well, what I... <laughs> What what I see is you producing uh, content that is very poetic, not only poetic, but also very uh, productive for all the indie artists out there that are struggling to find their place in this world, you know, and that's something that I haven't seen anywhere else. 
Well, thank you, man. That means a lot. That's 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 kind of the whole goal of it. You know, if we can help some people get through the darkness that is this life uh, of being an indie uh, creator and an indie filmmaker, uh, you know, then that helps me lay my head down at night and close my eyes knowing I did a good good thing that day. Right. That's all. I care. Absolutely. And, you know, isn't it funny? Like, I think like a lot of indie films with horror and the dark and whatnot. And we're some of the most sensitive people on the planet. You I know. know. We walk. <laughs> I've been saying lately, like, it's like we rip open a vein and, and expose our raw nerve and just walk around and, and beg the world to poke it with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, very, very sensitive. So, what's going on with you, man? How have you been since last we spoke? You've been busy as hell. I literally don't think like i have to force myself to go to the couch and sit down and like be still for like half an hour uh whenever uh i need a break i don't have weekends uh i have literally uh been working nonstop since we last talked which and i'm not complaining i'm not complaining you know i think i, I think the last time we spoke I, I think i said i may have said something like i think i just begun you know i've been doing this for 38 years but someone tells me i've just begun and you know i have you know, the powers that be finally said, okay, now you want to be a responsible adult. Well, here you go. Here's everything that goes along with it. And it was handed to me all at once, which, which I'm not, like I said, I'm not complaining about. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've been doing some really, uh, have been involved in some really cool stuff and I've uh, been honored to be a part of some really uh, amazing productions just in the past like two months. Has it been maybe at the most, maybe, maybe a month, two months? Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. And I do remember you saying that. You, you I remember you saying how long you've been at this. And that it's all just kind of finally arrived. And, you know, that's such a cool thing. I, I'd kind of like to stick on that topic with you for a minute, if you don't mind. Absolutely. You know, I, you know it's like uh, one of the things you don't see it as much anymore, but I, I guess you, it's still out there is this belief that there's all these overnight successes. You know, oh, who the fuck is this guy? He just showed up and now he's doing this. And who the fuck is that person? And they just showed up and they're doing that. You know, but what what I heard about that a long time ago is that there's not an overnight success out there that took less than 10 years to make it. I see. You yeah, know? no. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about I, that? Well, <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot of details. I, you know, I, I'll just say this, that uh, from the experience that I've had, my own personal experience, um, yeah, I've seen people come and go quickly and I've seen people rise to the top, like way, way to the top, very quickly. Um, but they had some sort of connection. They had yeah. like family influence. They had, they already had their foot in the door because of work somebody else had done. So I have oh. seen it happen, you know, uh, but, um, you know, I think we all experience happiness the same way though. So it really doesn't matter if they're there and we're over here, we both feel happiness, the sensation of happiness the same way. So, you know, we, we can, we can all enjoy the journey there. You know, some work a little harder than others, but I think when you work hard, you get to play hard too. And you get to enjoy a, maybe a, a greater, greater sense of happiness. Well, that's interesting. You know, I mean, it is true. You do get to, you work hard, you play hard, you know, but I think, um, it, you know, it's supposed to be fun, man. The journey's supposed to be fun. And I've seen all the I've seen people come and, and go quickly too. And a lot of times there is family influence. Uh, you know, that's a topic that I don't get into much uh, because uh, there's all uh, also situations where family yeah. influence doesn't help. But doesn't help, right. um, and you know, there's also situations where you don't want your family influence. I know plenty of people in all kinds of situations, you know, and um, and and 
what's interesting to me is that it is it is fun even if you're struggling like the th i don't want people to lose sight of the fact that it's fun the whole trip is fun the struggles are fucking fun you might not think they're fun when you're going through them but one day you will look back and go god damn it that was fun as hell that's right you know, you know? I, I, I i was making this movie near death with a good friend of mine dan benton back in 2003 i believe and uh we decided to go out to uh, the Pacific Ocean and steal some shots on the beach at Leo Carrillo State Park. And there were about five of us with the camera. And uh, sure enough, after we arrived, you know, like the lifeguard drove right over here. There's no filming allowed on uh, LA, LA or in California beaches without a permit. And um, uh, our cameraman said, well, so-and-so from the, from the USC and our teachers said, all we had to do was say that, we were doing student film and that it would be okay and that's what we're out here doing and i think the lifeguard like drove away like not looked around at us nodded his head and then drove away uh but uh you know it was like we're shooting out on the beach our producers went over and got some like fish and chips from a local like a uh, little fish and chip stand and brought it over to us for lunch and he sat down with us and this is a man our producer at the time who worked on some big films but he was making this micro budget film and he turned to the cast and crew while he gave us our food. And he said, he goes, I am having more fun doing this than I have on any major motion picture I've worked on. Because yeah. this is it. This is Hollywood right here. This is so much fun hanging out with you guys on the beach doing this. You know, so exactly what you were saying. Even, even, even if it was a little difficult, a struggle, you know, it was still a lot of fun. Well, yeah. And, you know, my perspective on things like that changes with time, too. You know, I mean, I think uh, there's well, there's a little gem of knowledge in there in, in that story, too, that maybe I should pause for a second and kind of throw out. You know, one of the genius things that you can do is if you if you do bring a student filmmaker onto one of your crews and you're you're, you know, you're hardcore, no budgeting it. You can go places like that with student permits and student student permission so it is a way to kind of it's a loophole i you know it's kind of like telling people where to go find certain things on the internet but uh, that's about all I, uh, the tips i'm going to give you look into the research of the laws of where you're shooting but oftentimes you can take a student on your set and, and you'll be all right you know for, for, you know from the year 2000 to the year 2005 i shot about seven features in la micro budget films and i had and i had i didn't have a car I only had a bicycle then. <laughs> My partner had the car. And um, I guess I just wasn't a responsible enough adult to have a car at the time. <laughs> but, so I had a bike and I took public transportation everywhere. Yeah. And by doing that, by taking by everywhere at all hours, right? Day and night, late, late at night, early in the morning, everywhere. When I would get off the bus at certain places, I would find like, look at this alley. Look at the way it's lit here. Or look at yeah. this, this street over here. And there's no one here. I could bring a camera crew here and no one's going to say nothing to me. And that's how I made like the Jackhammer massacre. That's how I made all these, all these films, uh, just by taking public transportation places. And finding. Oh no. Uh, uh, sorry about that. Did, oh, did I, can I get, did I lose you? No, I you're back. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that, that's how I was able to make these films and steal all these amazing locations, you know? Yeah, uh, there's a, there's an advantage and a disadvantage to every situation we're in. I mean, like I would never have known that I could go downtown Los Angeles at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning and shoot in front of the Independence Day building. Right. 
<laughs> unless I had, you know, unless I had, uh, 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 you know, unless I was riding a bicycle and going down there because I had an appointment down there sometime on early on a Sunday morning. Sure. Yeah. So, no, you're absolutely great. Great right. Experience. The, can you hear me? I can't yeah. hear you. Can oh, you, you hear me? Hear? No. Yeah. 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 Can you hear me? Yeah. I yeah. can't hear you for some reason though. Uh -oh. I got a phone call now. I can't hear. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yes. I, can you hear, you hear us? You hear yes. Yes. I can hear you. Okay. Okay. I was okay. busy right. blaming Joe. Yeah, Not I you. Just Joe get a phone call for some reason, it <coughs> did that. <laughs> but George, you know what you got to do. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, you're back. You can what hear happens? me. Can Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello, hello, Joe. I think he's gone again. Can you hear me now? Can you hear us? I can hear you. I can hear you. I can hear you, Joe. I can't hear George. Oh man! It's one of those damn iPhone things. I bet. Uh, uh, we're gonna go ahead and blame. We're gonna blame Joe Castro. Yep, Joe. This is Joe Castro. This is for you. Can you hear me now? This Joe's for you. Yeah, we, we can hear you, but you can't hear George. I can't hear George. Can you hear me? I can hear you, but I can't. Hold hear on you. a second. Oh man! See if that made a difference. Hello. Nope. No. 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 All right. Hey no. Joe, do me a favor. Drop out and come back in if you would. Okay. So can go you ahead. drop hey, out no. all the way? Yeah, 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 yeah. All the way. And come back in. Okay. Yep. Man, this was like an epic blame Joe moment. Like. Uh, let's see the and I'm like reeling from that one. Let's go to the comments for a minute. Uh, yeah, thanks. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I got I got uh, all kinds of Joes to blame on that one. <laughs> uh, I, earlier, I thought it was funny. Um, well, first of all, thank you, Morgan. Uh, Libby wants to see David. Uh, the blame George by the spacing effect. Blame George doesn't quite have the same ring as blame Joe. I tend that's, to disagree. Yeah. Listen, man, that's a band. They write songs. That means they're lyricists, which means they're poets. If they say it, it's gospel. So fuck you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and here we go with the different names again. Thank you. All right. And let's see. Are we back? Are we, back? Uh, we are back. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, great. That's weird. Yeah, I just got a, like a, I, I, I mean, I guess I could turn off the. No, it's no big deal. We're all good. We're all good. You know, it's interesting though because you're talking about you're talking about going to downtown LA and and finding spots that people wouldn't even think to look at, or or that people would you would go there in the middle of the day for a location scout and you'd think, oh man, this place is so jamming. I'm going to need cops. I'm going to need permits. I'm going to need right. insurance. I'm going to need all that stuff. But that's not necessarily the case. Uh, so you know, I think that that you, you know that falls under the outlaw category of this stuff, man. Kind of like. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, well, uh, you, you have you have like the security guard of the building going, "Hey, you can't film this building." Right. And I'm like, "Yeah, I can though if I'm on the sidewalk." Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I'm on the sidewalk, I can, so we can fake. You know, and they're like killing. No, 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 no. You know. So yeah, no. But I mean, I was also like 15 years ago. I was 15 years younger. I, you know, like I look more. Uh, you know, I could get away with more stuff then. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I did that at the Griffith Observatory once when DSLRs just first came on the scene. I got a still photography permit for the for the observatory for 24 hours. It was a hundred dollars. You can't get that location for less than like 20 grand a day. Yeah, and there I was with my little DSLR, and they're they're sending everybody out. I'm going, no, it's fine. It's just it's just a it's just a camera, you know, just a still camera. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah. go about your business. <laughs> we, we we shot in Griffith Park uh, 
our current film xenophobia that's out and it's with something like i don't know what see what did you spend for the permits up there it was like eight grand for us to shoot for two nights up there it's crazy now, you know like, like like now we're adults you know i mean i don't i i i, I might do something like that but you know i've, I've kind of gotten uh I kind of got acclimated in my older age. I don't shoot more than like, you know, 12 hours max. I don't do anything like that. Well, sure. You know, but I mean, yeah. but that's earning your bones, man. That we talk yeah. about that a lot in the Indie Brigade too. That's how we earn our bones. You know, we do that crazy shit when we're young and when we're coming up and then you get to a point where you, you know, it's, you've done it enough. It's you, right, deserve, right. you deserve to at least get paid for your things. You deserve to at least be able to do it the right way because not because you just deserve it, but because you earned it over the years of creative problem solving, which is what filmmaking independent filmmaking really is at, at its root. And, uh, I, th and I, I think, I think, you know, here in LA also, it's just, th th there's this, there's this sort of um, etiquette now that we have in our, circle of filmmakers where you know we pay each other we we don't ask for favors anymore we you know we 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 follow all the rules because we've i've already made that other film not not, not there's anything wrong with that other film but i i, I don't want to look back at my career and say i've made the same movie over and over again i try to make the movie better bigger and better and and, and more commercial each time you know, yeah. I, I i made a lot of art house stuff a lot of avant-garde films like Terratunes 3. I don't think I'll ever make another Terratunes 3 style film. That was the most avant-garde movie I've ever made and uh, the most non-commercial movie I've ever made. And while it was fun making it, um, I don't think I'll ever be able to top it or make a movie that avant-garde. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I think that's probably a good one to to go out on on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Actually, the Terra Tune stuff has been all over the socials this week. So uh, it has. Well, we, 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 we we do actually have part four already in the can. Really? And yeah, the whole thing's been pretty much edited. There's just a couple of wraparound stuff that I want to shoot, but uh, and it's it's not as avant garde as part three. It's it's more tales from the crypt. Uh, style tales, uh, tales from the dark side, monsters kind of thing. Uh, where it is, it is uh, uh, an anthology, but it's it's more, much more mainstream. And uh, I, I was adulting when I made it, so it's a little, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm sensitive in my, in my in my older age now. I like to make simple stuff, you know, even though I still like to chop people's heads off and whatnot. But I like to keep it simple and you know, effective. Yeah. Sure. No, I get it completely, man. I, I, I think is genius and I have a lot of respect for you. So, you know, um, and, and it's, again, it's interesting because you, you know, what we talk about, I mean, we talk about how we evolve as artists moving forward in our lives. And we talk about how our work evolves and, and to, to kind of ping on something you just said, you know, every film you make, uh, you make a little bit more commercial than the last one. Yeah. Uh, I think that that goes, uh, you know, a lot into kind of, you know, that that's what artists do, right? I mean, every time we, none of us want to do the same thing, we want to push ourselves to go bigger and better the next time, you know? And I think that film uh, is one of those places where you can do that um, through your, through your, not. I mean, all of the tools have become so accessible. It's really watching the growth of an artist as a person nowadays when you watch somebody's breadth of their entire career. Right. So what do you that's think? That's what it is. What do you that's think about what that? Is. That's you what know? it is. You know, uh, I used to um, 
I used to not think about dying hopelessly alone in a gutter. Poor. <laughs> and today, as an adult, you know, and you look around the world, that could be an option. Yeah. And th that's why I move closer and more towards making uh mo making my, my, my art more mainstream. Uh and you know, and I still find very creative ways to put bits and pieces of the young uh Joe in there. But I try, I try to make myself more accessible to more people. I mean, Xenophobia was a PG-13 movie. I've never made a PG-13 movie. And most independent films, especially from the horror genre, are not PG-13. Right. That's, like some, that's like something only like a studio film would do. Um, and, uh, but but, but I, I found it not only challenging, it, it was challenging, but in a great way to make a movie that was PG-13 that still included everything I like about filmmaking in it. You know, I didn't have to. I, we, we, there, there's no, there was no fucks in, in the in the in the film. We had to take out all the fucks, and there was no nudity. There was a little bit of blood, but there's plenty of monsters and creatures and, and thrills and everything else in it. And you know, I think, like, I go back to going back to dying hopelessly alone in the gutter. You know, yeah. as we move forward to ma making films that are more mainstream, we think about you know financial success and financial stability. And uh, I didn't think about that in my 30s. But now in my late forties, absolutely, it's a it's a it's a factor when it comes to working on films, making films, and being a part of films, and you know, being inclusive with other people when, when they're making films. You know, being inclusive on their projects. I mean, it, it, I'd like to make something that is successful, and success is also for me today measured by a quality product that returns. Some sort of compensation so I could pay my taxes. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I get that. I absolutely get that. But, you know, I, I think growing as an artist, you know, to, again, uh, you know, you're giving me all kinds of cool things to, to latch on to and what you're saying and, and just keep, keep talking about. I think, you know, to grow as an artist, uh, you know, I'd like to know what you think about, you know, obviously we go through our lives, we grow as people, we grow into our lives and we grow however the fuck the world is going to make us grow up. But to grow our inner creative, our artist, right? That that person that didn't care about paying the bills and didn't give <laughs> about anything. And that punk rock guy who would grab a camera and go sling down the side of a mountain, mm. you know, with no safety gear other than some little rope that one guy might be holding who's half my size. You know what I mean? To, well, you, somebody, to somebody who thinks about that, in terms of nurturing your, your inner creative and growing your artist, how much do you think your community and growing your community uh, you know, plays a factor into that. Well, I think that you can, you can find a way to present yourself in mainstream cinema where you still have that. You still have all of that. People respect you for that. You just find a way to implement it in a much more safe and commercial way. You know, that's the real art form. That's the real artist. Finding a way, I mean, look at like Andy Warhol, for sure. instance how avant-garde he was yeah but his, his real talent was finding a way to put his avant-gardeness into mainstream art and um i think i i mean that's just from where i'm coming from uh and as far as growing the community around me the people that i surround myself i think we're all moving in the same direction you know i, I work with uh thomas churchill on a regular basis and he you know we've had some serious conversations about our our, our art and we are both moving in the same direction we it it, it it is no longer um it is no it's no, it's no longer it, it our work has to be the best every time we do it there are no more small projects everything has to be the best we want to move forward 
you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that like to make film and they, you know, they don't care if it has, you know, these mistakes or these flaws and this and that and the other. I'm at a point in my career where everything has to be perfect. Yeah. I'm that, that's just where I'm at. And, um, and, you know, and yes, my budgets don't really aren't aren't like these you know major budgets where I can do all this stuff with, but I still want it to be the best it can be with what I have. You know, it has to look as flawless as possible. Um, I don't know if that if that answered your question, but you know, I think it did. I think it did. I think, but I think that learning to to achieve, learning to pursue that that perfection, I think requires a community that you grow. And I think that to you know, I I, I think. You know, we've talked you and me a lot about um, making, you know, getting rid of people in your circle that weren't part of your true circle, being your actual community, right? There, there you go. And once again, like I said, I sat down with Thomas. I sit down with these directors. I and I've spoken to with you about this before. It's imperative that I have a really good line of communication with the producers, with the production people about what I'm creating for their film. It's no longer the Joe show when I walk in on set. You know the special effects artists. Oh, look how great I am at this! It has to be uh, working with a, with with the team. That's how major motion pictures are made. Right. So if we implement that on our on, on our indie films, and there's just not like one voice, and everybody's you know actually participating together as a team, that's when great filmmaking is made. That's exactly yeah. right, and that's when a yeah. community starts to nurture itself again. And you know this, I grew up in this as a community, as a community that. Once you earned the respect of the community, you know, there were different levels and gates to get through. But once you earned a certain level of respect in the community, the community took care of you and, you know, and helped you and taught you and brought you along and showed you the ropes and did just enough so that you could still fuck yourself if you, <laughs> you know, but, but enough to like give you a foothold or figure stuff out. And, and, you know, I think that that that's the overall community. But I think that, and what I love about you and your approach is that you've developed a sort of a, your own ecosystem of a community. And yeah. it, you know what I mean? And I think that's important. I think we all need small ecosystems, but I think it's important that those ecosystems not only acknowledge each other, but uh, learn how to cross over and work well together. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to add on that by saying when people come to me who are maybe new in the industry or looking at me like, Joe, how did you get where you are? And uh, one of the greatest pieces of advice I can give somebody who's new or fresh or struggling is, have you, have you tried taking an interest in someone else's career? Yeah. Have, you have you tried taking an interest in helping the person who's next to you? You know what I mean? Have you stopped to like literally ask the director what's in their mind and try to execute that instead of, putting your own name and your own thing out there. You know what I'm saying? I do. And, uh, w w once, once I changed my perspective, you know, when I was in my thirties, I was, I was, I was, I was kind of an outlaw, you know, sometimes I wouldn't even tell the director what I was, I wouldn't show the director what I was bringing. I'd show up on set with it and be like, here you go. This sure. is what you're going to get. We talked about it. Right. Right. But I don't, I don't do that today. I don't yeah. do that today. That that's not how great <laughs> filmmaking is made, you know? And no, uh, yeah. No, yeah. To take take an interest in the person sitting next to you, and your life will become amazing. That's right. That's actually some of the best advice I think I've ever heard. Uh, I hope everybody out there is listening to that and and heard what the fuck he just said. I mean, if you're a young uh, independent filmmaker and you're trying and you're struggling to, to to make your own films and get them up on the screen, 
talk to another director and ask them how you can be of service to them. You know, I have people that want to come and be like, um, you know, assistants to me. That's great. You know, uh, but, but, but sometimes it's, it's, it's more troubling to have someone come and like try to assist me that doesn't know their way around a shop. You know, I mean, what, what, what they can do is help me clean. <laughs> right. You know, but, 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 but if you can, if you can, take an interest in somebody else's career and be of service to them, your career will grow leaps and bounds. It's just the way it is, you know, and it's the same way on social media with our posts and liking people's stuff and offering words of encouragement. If you don't like it, scroll by. You don't have to stop and say anything. Yeah. It, It doesn't really do anybody any good. Yeah. Like if you don't, if you don't like Warhol and you're in Pittsburgh and you walk yeah. past the Warhol Museum, you don't run inside and shit all over the walls. That's right. You, <laughs> you just scroll on go by in. And, and find another place where you can offer and be of service. Yeah, you know? exactly. That, that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's some really good advice. And I do hope that everybody out there is listening and paying attention to that because, uh, you know, I think that's one of my favorite things about you, Joe, is that you, you, you get it. You get that sense of community. You get that sense of, you know, um, put it out there and it comes back on you, you know? That's right. And Absolutely. hundred percent. And that's the whole point of the Indie Brigade, man. And that's why I'm so proud that you're part of it and that you're here and that you support. And we obviously will always support you and love you, love you to death, man. And I love when you come on, what is it you want to plug? Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I'm right now I'm making some incredible, incredible creature for, uh, the witching season. And uh, I'm also uh, doing a couple of things for uh, Addison Heath uh, out in, uh, I believe it's Australia. He's coming to the States to make an American masquerade. I just made a live cast of Trent Haga for a uh, Haga for uh, uh, some really cool effects. But ultimately, you know, you know, I, I got my fingers in so many different things. Uh, guess what? I'm going to play a lead act, a lead, one of the lead characters in my first on-screen uh, feature film uh, directed by, uh, I'm going to get his name wrong, by Matthew. He's going to get me so, so, so upset. It's for Appetite for Sin. And I'm going to have, I'm going to have a lead role in the film. And, um, it's a vampire film and uh, I'm going to try my hand at acting, you know, I might as well jump in. I've always wanted to do it. Uh, but it's called Appetite for Sin. Of course, I'm going to be uh, returning to Clown Motel to Death Do Us Part with Joseph Kelly and Dave Bailey and the whole gang uh, to do effects for them. Um, and uh, I'm still finishing up some big creatures for um, Justin Siemens' The Barn too right now as we speak. Um, and uh, just a whole bunch of stuff, you know. Uh, be careful what you wish for. You know, I I, I, I asked my the powers to be to... Uh, fill my plate with uh, all the movies I could get and they just keep piling on. So I'm very humbled and very grateful for all the work. I really am. That's awesome, Joe. Everybody, you've been listening to Romero Pictures and the Brigade podcast with me, your host, George C. Romero, and Mr. Joe Ridgely with me as always. Drew Light. Hey, Joe. Tonight we have been <laughs> chatting so far with Joe Castro, FX Micro Joe Castro, soon to be uh, actor Joe Castro. Actor Joe Castro, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, he's had some amazing words of wisdom for anybody who uh, has been paying attention. And if you haven't been paying attention, what the fuck is your problem? Uh, play back uh, and pay attention because it's good shit. Joe, thank you so much for coming on tonight, man. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm always humbled and honored to be a part of your amazing show and all the wonderful things you do to bring the independent uh, filmmakers together on this planet. Thank you, man. Talk soon. All right, talk more soon. Take care, guys. Good night. Good night. Good night.
Always a pleasure to have on. Yeah, I love that guy. I'm a bad husband, George. Yeah. So for those of you that I was know, agreeing. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. But <laughs> um, my wife, my wife, who is who has the patience of a saint. Um, if you guys don't know, uh, we're actually broadcasting on our 16th anniversary. So thank you, dear, for letting me do this. <laughs> Congratulations, Joe. And I'm sorry to your beautiful wife. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <happy> anniversary. <laughs> How many of these mugs did she get? Did she get like 20 of these mugs now? Well, they they ran out of the ink. So <laughs> <laughs> That's what you told her, huh? Oh, I hope she's watching. They didn't run out of ink. <laughs> that was really cool. And again, we are on Romero Pictures Indie Brigade. Your host, George C. Romero, and me, Joe Ridgely. I get on here occasionally and... Joe Ridgely, producer extraordinaire, the man responsible for calling me and asking me if I would do a podcast. Oh, okay. Well, now so here we are there. Here we are there. Joe <laughs> produces all the shows on the Indie Brigade, uh, and he does a phenomenal job at it. And sometimes, you know, I, I think he forgets that every time I say, fuck you, Joe, I mean, I really love you, Joe. Uh, so, the feeling is definitely mutual. That's why we have matching mugs now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we do. I'm just going to blame you for everything. And notice I'm, I'm a sipper, so I wonder what that means. Anyway, so we have more show going on right now. We have David Lee Madison coming up. And how about now? Boom! David Lee Madison. What's up, fellas? How's it going, man? Nice shirt. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's a little flick that, uh, I don't know, it's available on Viewmaster, I think. <laughs> how you doing, buddy? I'm doing real well. I, I went to uh, my local uh, supermarket today, and I found in the Entenmann section that they brought back my banana cake that I loved back in the 80s. So when, you know, you're pushing 50, these are the things in life that make you excited. <laughs> are you sure they brought it back and it's just not surplus? No, no. They have, it even comes in a special box, like saying, hey, old timer, it's back for you. <laughs> So that means easy open. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, the writing's really big, so I can. Uh, oh yes, it says banana cake on it. <laughs> you poke it with your cane just to make sure. Yeah. Feeling the box, it feels like a cake. <laughs> Listen, everybody, for uh, for anybody watching, anybody paying attention, and everybody who cares, which is all of you. David Lee Madison is the newest member of the Indie Brigade family. He will be hosting a brand new show called The End of the Night. I'm hoping Joe has the graphic there. Oh, you want me to pull that up now? I was going to pull up everybody saying hi to him, but I, you know, I could, you can interrupt me hey, and I, I, I could do that. But I mean, only because it would have coincided nicely with the words that were coming out of my face, but you know, that's cool. Oh, you have words coming out of your face. All right, hold on a second. Oh man, the pressure, the pressure, oh, I tell you. Yeah, look at that, and the comments still fit. The end of the night that. with David Lee Madison. This is an exciting show that we're adding to the Indie Brigade community and the Indie Brigade family. Uh, he will be starting next week. He will be going live uh, about 30 minutes after we uh, end our show. So this is his brand new logo. This is his brand new show. And uh, now we're gonna we're just gonna talk to David a little bit about what he's gonna be doing with the show and 
what he's bringing to the brigade and his family and, and to his new family here. So, so do you want me to like uncover him now with the graphic? Yeah, again, that would have been, you, you, you're supposed to hit the buttons in sync with him. We're supposed to be in Where sync, Joe. <laughs> Joe, we're supposed to be like this. Fuck you. Joe, I, I love you, Joe. I won't blame you. <laughs> well, thank you, <laughs> Oh, you'll start blaming him soon enough. Well, well, my very first episode on the 6th, next Friday, I'm going to teach everybody how to make hot cross buns. So that should be fun. Excellent. Uh, yes, yes. And then we're going to move on to frozen hot chocolate, which is a great way to move those hot cross buns down. Do you need a freezer? Do you need a freezer? <laughs> Actually, I do. I have too many bodies in the one I have currently. Uh, no, I'm actually super excited. Uh, the end of the night is going to be a really cool show. And what's going to make it cool is that uh, not only am I going to talk to independent filmmakers and, and, uh, and the independent filmmaking community that I love so dearly, I'm also going to talk to some iconic legends and uh, some uh, very, very well-known artists so that we can kind of have a contrast of how things work uh, between like uh, Hollywood and in the independent film community. So I'm super excited. Uh, look for guests like uh, William Sadler and uh, Kane Hodder and uh, people from the MCU and uh, all kinds of very recognizable people. So uh, it's going to be a fun show. I can't wait to, to get it started with you guys. Yeah, man, we can't wait to have you. I'm thrilled that you've... Uh... Sorry, I was just getting some more. See, I actually drink coffee, Joe. I'm sipping my coffee. <laughs> I'm thrilled that you're here, David. I'm thrilled that you've that you've uh, that you've decided to do this with us, and I, I just couldn't be more proud to to welcome you to the family. And well, thank you know, you. I think it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're getting well. You know how I actually feel like uh, like David Letterman used to feel following up the great Johnny Carson. So I have big shoes to follow, and uh, I'm hoping that my show will at least mildly entertain the people that were watching your great show. Thank you. Uh, your your check will be in the mail. I'll just PayPal you for that. So <laughs> check. Look, this is uh, this is just a bunch of indie fucks getting on here and talking about our own experiences. So um, you know, I, I I think everybody's looking forward to to your show and what you're going to be bringing to the family, man. And again, uh, I'm I'm just so happy and proud. This is David Lee Madison. Uh, and you've got a new thing that you, I don't know if you want to talk about it yet, but if you're welcome to talk no, about I, it. I, absolutely. Uh, I just finished a film called Wits End with uh, Brian O'Halloran and Scott Schiaffo, which comes out uh, hopefully this spring. It may even be uh, an Indie Brigade uh, release. We'll see how that works out. So, But I'm super excited about it. I just found out uh, within the last 24 hours that it's going to be playing in theaters. Uh, so uh, all, super, all good stuff. It is all good stuff. Life is full of good stuff, and that's and one George, of the. You're, you're the only person outside of the people who made the film who has seen it. So do you? Yeah. I have seen it. I have seen it. I think it's great. You and I talked about it, and this is what I was just going to say. I think one of my favorite things about you, and one of the things that makes me so proud to have you want to be part of the brigade, is uh, is your approach and and where you tell your stories from. You know, um, it's it it takes a lot for somebody to just put things out that are purely driven by love. Uh, of any kind. And I think that the love that you have for what you do and the love that you have for your subject matter and your content itself is it, it comes across so clearly 
uh, in your work, and I think it's just beautiful. And I have seen the movie, and I think it's great, and I think people are really going to love it. So, oh, thank you, Joe. I know I have to take that check that you're sending me and turn around and send it back to you. <laughs> now, now, wait a second. Wait a second. I introduced you two guys, and George got a screener, and I didn't. No, no, gonna... it's not a screener. I'll hook you up. It's just uh, he just watched it on a on a on a platform. Okay, fair enough. I'm I did. I stood on a platform while I watched the Stein screener he sent me, Joe. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Very strong shoulders. <laughs> so, so just to break you two guys up for a moment, next Friday, uh, next Friday, when we have our first episode of the end of the night, Joe, our, one of our first guests is going to be Chad Rook, and Chad is best known from the CW smash hit The Flash. Uh, he plays one of the reoccurring villains. He's also the star of the show Siren and was also on uh, shows like uh, Bates Motel. And, uh, and he's just a great, great guy. He has a he's great in the indie community. And uh, I can't wait to interview him next week. And uh, we'll also have a, a huge announcement of another one of our guests probably on Monday. Yes. Nice. Everybody, the end of the night is going to be a very cool follow up to the Indie Brigade. So I hope moving forward. Everybody knows that their Friday night plans now just got longer. And uh, on that note, unfortunately, we, we do have to say goodbye to David because we had a full lineup tonight. So, Yes, well, we do. David, you thank you. I, I can't wait. I'm honored to be a part of the family, and we're going to do some fun stuff together. Awesome, so, David. Can't wait to see you next Friday, man. Thank you so much. Good night, gentlemen. Good night. night. Thank you. Sorry, I mean we do have a full night. It just keeps going. So we do, we do. Next, we're bringing up a dear, dear old friend of mine, Steve Uncle Creepy Barton. Hey, what's up, man? Motherfucker, how are you, motherfucker, man? I'm good. <laughs> First of all, Joe, happy yes. anniversary. Thank you. I appreciate. Just know that. that you have no chance of getting any ass tonight <laughs> at all. Because your ass is sitting here with us, is <laughs> fucking ridiculous. And you know, my condolences to your penis. It's not doing any action for probably quite a while. <laughs> to be fair, though, I mean, we are some sexy motherfuckers for him to be spending his Friday night oh, with. Oh, you know, I'm just I mean, saying. You, know. you got a point. Now, at least now I'm a little sexier. <laughs> there was a whole lot of me that it's the like look i have like a dimple now i never even noticed that shit before you know, I'm looking at myself on camera it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah, man it's a it's a pleasure to be here george it's always great to talk to you we know each other for a really long time like first the fucking earth cooled and then the dinosaurs came and then i was in pittsburgh and shit just went on from there and you know then there was that night with the donkeys and that was <laughs> yeah i'm gonna drop out in one second i just want uh steve to read this one comment if he could please Oh, Steve, if it wasn't for this man, I wouldn't have a career. I can never repay you no matter what I do. I love you, brother, Ron Purdy. First of all, Ron, let me tell you something, dude. I didn't do a goddamn thing. All I did was see your work, appreciate what you do, and point people at it. You did the heavy lifting, man. All I did was just hold up a little mirror and be like, hey, man, check out this dude's stuff. It's pretty cool. But, you know... When I read stuff like that and I, I get emails like that, it's 
it's a really humbling thing for me, man, because it's the weirdest thing. It's like I, I've spent my career helping to launch other people's careers. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm so grateful to have been able to do that. And when I read things like that, it never stops getting weird to me. You know, it's like it's very humbling in a lot of different ways. And it just it blows my mind, man. I never thought that this fucking kid from Brooklyn, New York with a GED education would ever be able to touch people's lives in a positive way. You know, I thought I'd end up dead or in jail by now, but here I am, right? Well, listen, how many times have you and I had this same conversation? You know, I mean, look, I I, I know you know that I, I've done a lot of work with veterans one-on-one over the past lot of years. And, you know, and I, and I do what I can to try to help out filmmakers. And I use my own experiences to, you know, to kind of expose a lot of not only truth about what the industry is like to the independent, but also... Uh, you know, help to help a lot of these folks or as many as who will listen or want to listen, uh, kind of try to figure out how to navigate these waters. And, you know, I get some of these messages too, and it, it really is weird, man. It's like, um, you know, in my early days, all I cared about was trying to get this made or get that made or, or whatever, which is kind of like what Joe Castro was talking about. And I know you know him too, but, um, you know, for me, it's, uh, the Indie Brigade, man, I, we started this thing and it, 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 I didn't, I honestly, you know, I make jokes. Like I thought I was just going to be sitting here crying in a dark corner, you know, crying out my, my deepest, darkest frustrations. That was me about an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like, yeah, man, I was just- somebody, somebody heard it. Right. <laughs> and somebody heard, like heard the show and then somebody else heard it. And then it's, people are starting to, you know, and, and it's crazy. This, this weird feeling that I'm experiencing with, you know, being told that I'm touching people's lives and you've been doing it so long, uh, you know, and you've helped so many people, um, you know, I can only hope to one day, you know, kind of hope help as many people as you have, or even half as many men. But, you know, that's what I love about you, brother. And we've always been that way together, you know? I mean, well, thank you so much for saying that, you know, I've always had an immense amount of respect for you and your lineage and your legacy and, Everything about, I, I mean, your dad and I had a really weird relationship, you know? It's yeah, like, we, uh, l- let me tell you about the first, did I ever tell you about the first time I ever met your dad? Yeah, you did, but feel free to tell me again for anybody who does, because this is like, this is also how weird our friendship and relationship has been. Yeah. So when, to go way back, I'll give you the abridged story. When I was three fucking years old, dude, I was a night owl and I was always up like at at like 2 a.m. because that's when all the really cool shit was on TV, right? Um, I would hear my parents snoring and they that would be my signal to go to the fucking living room and turn on the TV, man. And there was always this giant, we had this, here I'm going to date myself, this giant fucking black and white console TV that, you know, when it broke, you just put another TV on top of it and now it's fucking furniture, right? Sure. So I turned it on and I was three years old, man. And I I saw this newscast about the dead coming back to life, you know, and people had to get to rescue stations. And I was like, holy fuck, (laughs) serious shit, right? So 
panicked because I, I thought this was real. I ran into my parents' bedroom and I turned on the lights and I woke them up and I'm like, the dead are coming. We got to get to rescue stations. We got to do this. We got to do that. And they're like, you're dreaming. You're having a nightmare. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'll show you. So I, I pulled my mom into the living room and I, I pointed to the TV. And of course, what was on was Night of the Living Dead. Sure. And that was the night I got my first spanking, bro. The first spanking <laughs> I ever got. Right. So I I said to myself, after my ass was throbbing for like 20 minutes, I was like, wow, you know, I was scared out of my mind and totally safe. And yeah. that was the coolest fucking thing. Yeah. So I became obsessed with horror movies. That was the night Uncle Creepy was born. I mean, had I had the foresight to know what the name would end up kind of having a weird meaning to, I may have been a little bit more selective of a name that followed me around the rest of my fucking life. Um, but, you know, I became all about that. So I, much like everyone else out there, I do not have a unique story. You know, I grew up in dysfunctional family circus. My pop was a fucking alcoholic who kicked my ass every chance he got for like 12 years. And so I learned my values from watching TV and watching movies and your dad's films in particular were very central to that. I, I learned a lot of what's right and wrong from Dawn of the Dead, from Night of the Living Dead, from fucking, you know, Martin. I just, there, there was just so much of an impact. So, by the way, I can hear him laughing in my head as you're telling oh, this story. He left his, he you know, and saying like saying things like, "Oh, geez, I'm sorry, I fucked you up." And, well, that, well, you know what happened was like, after I got into the horror business by complete luck, you know, and just I loved this so much, and I I never was good at taking no for an answer, and I was like, "Well, if I could fucking be in here, I'm gonna be in here, man. I'm gonna try to do something." And I got the opportunity to interview your dad for the first time. And Chris Rowe, his manager at the time, uh, he and I had developed a long relationship that was because I was in the industry and in the media and blah, blah, blah. We had a good relationship because he had a shit ton of clients, your dad being one of them. So it was 730 in the fucking morning and I was getting ready to go interview your dad for the first time. And I'm like, holy shit, I am going to meet my fucking idol. This is crazy, right? So, you know, I got, Chris gave me his hotel room key. So I'm like, wow, that's such a poor life decision. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what kind of lunatic you're letting into this dude's room, right? So I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I walked in there, I sat in every chair, right? Uh, I fucking, I hugged his pillow. Right, <laughs> I went to I peed in the toilet and I did the hero pee with my hands on my head, not even like you know holding my dick. I was like, Yeah, that's right, god damn. <laughs> and in comes your dad, who anyone who's ever met him when he was actually standing, he was impossibly fucking tall, right? right? I'm like vertically challenged, like a motherfucker. <laughs> I'm only like five seven, and this dude's like fucking like six foot something, and I'm like, Hi, and you know, we got to talking and we, we I told him that story. And the first thing he said, he was, sorry, I got your ass kicked, man. That's, that's fucked up. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> just from there, we ended up just staying in touch. And, yeah. you know, he mentored me through a lot. He and him, George and Sid Haig were my two mentors in this industry. Yeah. And you just can't ask for more than that, man. I am oh, so fucking lucky. And what I took from them in particular, because I would go to them with all sorts of questions because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But the best advice I could give somebody who don't know what the fuck they're doing, and that's like, hi, 90% of us, 90% of the time, right? Yeah. Is find people who know what the fuck they're doing and listen to them and absorb what they have to give. So I was very much a sponge for all this stuff, you know? And little by little, I learned how to interact in these environments. I learned how to exist and hold my own in any situation. It's, even if I was shitting my pants inside, which I did quite often, you'd never know it because I give this bravado off. And uh, the main thing I learned from both of them was how to treat people. And that's a lesson I will never forget, you know? And that's all I wanted to do, man. When I started, I, I began work at Fangoria way back when I was their fucking message board operator, which means I didn't get paid, but right. I was working for Fangoria and that's cool as shit, right? right. Yeah. So then I started working for this other company called the Horror Channel, which ultimately I didn't get paid, but it was still cool as shit, right? Yeah. And then we ended up parting ways over a difference of opinion. And it was like a very hostile situation. So I took Dread Central, which I created with Ryan Turek, who's gone on to uh, produce the new Halloween movies and work with Blumhouse and also this other cat named Josh or Johnny Butane at the time. So, and, and my partner, John Condit then. And we took this, this little idea that we had and we turned it into a viable business. And you know, it's funny, man. It's like everyone, when they talk to me about it, or and I'm sure you know this, dude, when, when you're involved in the industry in any little way, people automatically assume that you have money. Yeah, oh yeah. Right? Yeah. I spent 10 years of my career, such as it is, existing on Little Debbie snap snack cakes and ramen fucking noodles and Slim Rims, okay? Yeah. There was no money involved ever. Dude, it still happens. People still assume it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm George's kid. I must be fucking rich, and he must have handed me everything in my life, right? Uh, yeah, it, it, just like you, you know? Not the case, man. But you know what, though? But I like it better that way. Exactly. Because anything yeah. I've ever gotten or accomplished, I fucking earned. I put in the time. I yep. cried. I bled. And... I still do it, man. There are days I wake up where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing, man? I should just be getting a regular nine to five and give this shit up. But there are certain people who just can't do that. I mean, we're gypsies. You know what I mean? We do these things because it's in us. It's ingrained. We're artists or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And my talent has always been able, always been being able to point people to others' talent. Right. You know? And 
I did so with that movie Terrifier, you know? One of the last things I did with Dread Central, I was editor-in-chief of Dread Central for, I don't know, 18 years or some shit like that. A long time, man. It's a long time. And, uh, you know, we got, we came dangerously close to going out of business. And what they wanted to do at that time, the company that acquired us, who I'm not even going to bother talking about in name, uh, they wanted to spin off and use Dread Central as a name for their movie, for their uh, for their videos, their horror movies. They wanted to create a a Dread Central Presents label. And I'm the type of person that I have to believe in something in order for me to do it. it I'm all or nothing. I'm either all in or I'm not doing it. You know? Yeah. And I saw this little movie called Terrifier. And I said to myself, holy shit, this is it. This is the one. This is the movie I want to launch the Dread Central Presents movie label with. Now, before that, I had done other things like Zombie World and Monsterland, which were important because it got the work out there of young indie filmmakers who wanted to show off their short films. And it was important to them that they have a platform that was viable. So I, you know, we got them destroyed through image entertainment and we did whatever we had to do and that was a great thing but it was time to definitely go you know there comes a point in your career where you're like you either got to shit or get off the pot right yeah so the time was right for terrifier and i insisted i fought and pleaded and fought a fight like you have no idea to get them to acquire this movie and put it out there I was told everything from it was the worst mistake that they ever made to this is unmarketable. It's bullshit. We're never going to be able to sell this. We're never going to make our money back, blah, 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 blah. And I got gaslit, man. I was like, listen, if this movie doesn't do what I think it's going to do, I will quit. I will step down, you know? And they released the movie and it fucking exploded. Yeah. There, there are murals of Art the Clown all over the world. There are t-shirts. There's merchandising. There, you, you can't go anywhere at a horror convention without seeing this character now. Yep. And that ended up being my swan song. You know? Hello from the set of Terrifier 2. What's up, baby? <laughs> um, good to see you, Lauren. You yeah, know? Lauren's a good friend of the brigade. He's got his own film out now on Prime called The Dark Military, and we're trying to help him figure out how to get oh, that out a little wider than that. And now he's a, he's out there on Terrifier too, man. Awesome. We got a lot of Terrifier fans here. You're speaking to um, you're speaking to a bunch of people who are are really digging what you're putting down right now. That's why I'm just kind of like letting you go. Thank you, man. It, it's the movie. It ended up, long story short, being the bestseller. You know, and it also ended up being my swan song from Dread Central. You know, it became apparent that there was a big dissident between myself and the rest of the partners. So in order for me to let Dread Central excel, I had to make an exit. But if I got to go out in any way, shape or form, then I'm That's glad to do it, right? I'm glad I went out, one, on my own terms, and two, by bringing the horror community their next favorite fucking icon. There you go. 
that's all I could ever do. I mean, I've done a lot of crazy shit. Uh, my bucket list is fucking over, unfortunately. <laughs> I pissed and shit in the bathroom of John Carpenter. I pissed and pooped in your dad's bathroom. I got <laughs> drunk with him and did a commentary. He put me in his fucking movie to play a fucking zombie that does the main kill. I, I, I'm in a video game. I, I've done more than I ever thought that I would ever be able to do. And the only reason why I was ever able to do that is because of the fans, man. Yeah. Fans are the people who make us. That's They're right. They're the ones that create who we are, you know, that, that, uh, that allow us to be able to go out there and, and help create or help do cool things. I don't exist without Ron Purdy, without right. Wagner, without yourself, without a number of people, without the people on the Fangoria message boards, Luna Winchester, fucking Demon Diva Danny, these names I remember to this day. You sure, know? sure. And of course, you know, the person who was by me the whole time, Debbie, you know, she was with me every step of the way. And we have these relationships and we have these memories, but the only reason I was ever able to do any of this cool shit was because of community. It was because I treat everyone like they're the most important person in the room. And that's how it should be. Because when you're having a conversation with somebody, you should be talking with them, not looking over their shoulder and seeing who else is around. That person is the person you should be paying attention to. And I don't give a fuck if you're a studio filmmaker or you're an indie filmmaker. You earn the same amount of respect until you prove that you don't deserve it. That's you know? right. There's only two types of people in this world. A lot of people get hung up on gay, straight, fucking black, white, whatever. No, no, no. None of that shit matters, dude. There are only two types of per people. You're either an okay, cool dude or you're a fucking idiot. And that's the only <laughs> type of people there are. You know, doesn't matter. Anything else is just superficial nonsense. Yeah. So either fucking you're either an all right person who does the right thing. And let's face it, it's not really that fucking hard to do the right thing. No, it's, it's, it's actually the easiest fucking thing in the world. It's the easiest thing in the world. But unfortunately, it's always the most thankless. Like, yeah. But you know what? You shouldn't do good things for people with with the expectation of being thanked for it. You do it because <laughs> it's the right thing to do. You yeah. Do in front of you. You need to go out there every day and face the fucking music, whether it's good, bad, or whatever. You can't just shell up in your house and pretend the song isn't playing. You know, you got to do your fucking thing, man. And now that I've spoken for a half an hour fucking straight, what's up, George? How are you, man? <laughs> Brother, let me tell you why I have let you talk for a half an hour straight, because the entire point of this was to not only introduce you to anybody who might not know you, but to get everybody who does know you uh, as excited about you being here as I am, um, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of what you said, man, and this is exactly why I fucking waited to call you and exactly why I called you when I did, because you're preaching the brigade, what the brigade preaches, you're preaching community, you're preaching love, you're preaching all that good shit, man. You're preaching, you know, all the stuff uh, that, uh, I mean, even Jesus, I spent, I rambled last week for, I don't know, fucking hour or something about 
community and positivity and lifting each other up. And, you know, and, and none of us, like you said, would be here without the fans. None of the people out there in the, in the world of the Indy Brigade would be here if they weren't fans uh, to start with, fans of mine, fans of anybody who's been on the show, fans of anybody who's involved with it, and now fans of yours. And, and what's exciting to me and why uh, I wanted everybody to just kind of let just let Uncle Creepy into your brains for a minute is because he's about to become a permanent fixture here at the Indy Brigade. Uh, this is the second announcement. Uh, Steve Barton, Uncle Creepy, is joining the Indy Brigade uh, with his own segment of the Indy Brigade that will be coming up, and we'll be getting you all the details on that very shortly. But what I love about Steve, what I've always loved about Steve, is that uh, he's got a way with people, and he's got a way with with helping people understand uh, that whatever that thing is you're having trouble understanding, he's good at helping you figure that out, and he's good at helping you figure out well, how to understand it once you identify it. And I, it's a fucking gift, man. Let me let me just say one thing. I could help you out with the complicated shit. If you want to know anything easy, don't fucking look for me, dude. Yeah, like if you don't know how to tie your shoes, don't ask him, don't ask me. I'm a fucking idiot, all right? You can ask me to, to solve the craziest fucking deepest riddle. I got that shit. That's my real house, all right? If you're asking me to make a PB&J for you, you're getting the worst fucking sandwich in the world, and the kitchen's going to be a mess. That's what's going on, man. Yeah, but that's what's beautiful about it. <laughs> you know, a lot of the people in the brigade here and a lot of the people who watch the brigade and tune in and come to us for help and guidance uh, or even just validation that maybe their fucking dark thoughts uh, are not their own and nobody else's, you know? I mean, a lot of the stuff that, that people come to the brigade about, um, listen here, uh, uh, apparently Joe wants to interrupt me and what I'm saying, I'm just kidding. Now, Eric, right here, I was listening to every single word intently. I need to hear those things. So glad to have caught this show, man. Eric's a great dude. I actually just met Eric. He's got some interesting projects that he's trying to figure out. But, uh, you know, he's been, he's, he, I'm not going to air his shit, but he's been battling with his own inner creative over some stuff. And, you know, this is what the fucking brigade is about. Like, it's so much more than just teaching, you know, how to budget or how to schedule or how to screenwrite with a calculator or all, uh, we do all of that stuff and we do that stuff happily and for free because we love talking about production, but there's so much more to the brigade, man. There's so much more to this that I've preached for years and you preach for years. And it's about taking care of that inner creative of yours, because at the end of the day, when you walk down that dark fucking road of creativity and creation, you've got to be able to trust that thing inside you. And if you can't trust it, it's going to fuck you and you've got to take care of it. Katie Walsh is an awesome friend of the brigade. Awesome to meet Steve via this podcast. We do this art because we are positively, inexplicably compelled to. And it's incredibly important to stay humble and be good to each other. It's really good to hear this reiterated over and over again on the Indy Brigade. We do talk about it a lot, but it's fucking important, man. It is. It's, it's so important, man, because there, there are so many people out there. The main question I get, other than how'd you lose all that fucking weight, is uh, <laughs> the question I get is... How do you become successful? And you know what? I don't know because I'm not successful. You know, I'm just another in a long line of people out there that are trying their best. And success success is measured. I, I'm a success in in terms. I may not have, I may not have found a way to make money and give myself a comfortable life, 
But that's not how I, I measure success. I measure success because I've been able to help people, to that's right. lead people along. I don't know how this it fucking idiot get it, but believe me when I tell you, if I can be sort of successful, anybody could be, right? Well, and that's a loaded question because like you said, success is measured and success needs to be measured individually by everyone. So, I mean, you know, for somebody asking you, how do you become successful? Their measure of success might be how many Teslas they have in their garage. Mm -hmm. Mine is not. Mine mine is not that at all. And just like yours isn't. <laughs> when people ask me, you know, that, that question, I usually just say to them, you have to decide what success means to you. Best advice anybody ever gave me about turning into a young man years ago was, you know, decide where you're going in life and then decide who gets to go with you. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in your career. It's the same. Uh, who deserves to go with you. That's right. Who deserves to go with you. Yeah. Listen, I mean, people talk a lot about family. Family, you're not, you're born to your family, but that doesn't mean they have to be your family. You choose That's right. your family. You choose the motherfuckers you need to roll with. Because I'll tell you what, family's also the first people to be there with their hands out to fuck you. Mm -hmm. That's just the cold, hard reality of it. But um, that's okay too, man. Anytime someone hits you with negativity of any sort, you got to put that shit in perspective. Don't get mad at it. Just know that it's coming from a place where these are people who forgot what it's like to dream and they've become complacent and they've become sad sad and 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 being that they forgot and 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 can't remember what that's like they try to warn you so it's actually coming from a good place just in a really warped fucking way <laughs> you know yeah like, dude can't i just do something right you know but it, it, it the, the best advice here's what i could tell people man be thankful for all your pain Every single fucking hurt you feel, you know, every disappointment, every fucking letdown, because it's the moment. Listen, being easy, being happy, being easy. I am very easy. Uh, <laughs> being happy is easy, right? Yeah. Look, me and you right now, we're happy because there's nothing going on. But meanwhile, we're both fucking tortured souls, and we know that. Right? right. But there's also nobody in the world right now except you and me, which is what happens every time we talk. Exactly. You know? And it doesn't matter if we're in a room full of a thousand people. Exactly. And here's the thing, though, man. Being that being happy is so easy, you have to embrace the bad times because it's the times when you're faced with the worst situations in your fucking life, man. When you're on the balls of your ass and you're you're on the floor again and all you could do is look around and look at these fucking walls and say, what do I have to do to climb out of this fucking hole? <laughs> those moments yeah. dictate who you are and more importantly, who you're going to become. That's when you're building your character. That's you right. And... And so that's good, man. You you need to embrace the bad times because they don't last forever. They're going to seem insurmountable and they're going to suck, but they're also going to make you fucking strong. And one day you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be like, I have faced my worst fucking days and I'm still here. And you know what? That makes you a motherfucking hero because not many people can do that. You know? right. And if you can channel that into the art that you create mm -hmm. and- 
you know, that happens for, for a lot of people. The first time that happens is, is when they, they get through some shit and then they're out there actually trying to create the art that they've been struggling with creating. And then all of a sudden they reach down deep into some, one of those terrible experiences that they had. And that thing solves a problem for them on the fucking spot on the day. And then they, they might not even realize it at the time, but then maybe even they don't even realize it till they're in post and they're sitting there cutting and they look at this shot and they go, fuck, I remember doing that on set and I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't have been there with my aunt Sally got run over by a fucking tractor. And that's <laughs> poor aunt Sally. And first of all, again, poor Joe, he's not getting any ass tonight at all. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Just I figured I would... I don't want you to feel left out, brother. I, I'm lamenting for your cock right now. It's just going to be very lonely. Um, you know, we're going to get you one of these mugs because this will become a mantra of yours, too. you got to get your Blame Joe mug. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I look forward to having at least somebody to blame other than myself. Well, yeah, it's a bigger movement than the brigade, Blame Joe. We're trying to make it a global thing. <laughs> yeah, man. In, in terms of my involvement with the Indie Brigade, you know, Here's the way I do everything. Like you, we we spoke early, and you're like, "Hey, man, what do you want to talk about tonight?" And I'm like, "We're just gonna fucking talk, man." You yeah, know, wherever and I love that answer. Yeah, wherever we go is where we end up. I don't plan anything. I just do it. So whatever it's gonna end up being is whatever it's gonna end up being. I I like being able to talk to people and let them know that they're not alone because it's so fucking easy to be alone, especially in this business, man. Yeah. So many times where you're just like, man, this is like the biggest fucking mistake I've ever made, but it's not because you know what a mistake is? You, only you are in charge of the mistakes you make. And the only way to truly make a mistake is if you're in a bad situation and you don't learn from it. Learn, dude. Pay attention. Pay fucking attention to everything that's going on around you and use it. Use the anger. Use your pain. Channel it. Learn from it. These are the most, most important fucking experiences of your life, man. Yeah. When, when, and never let anyone tell you no. Fuck you. You don't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. I pull my strings, not you. That's right. You got to just, you, and it, it's, I don't want to say man up because there are a lot of women out there who are way smarter than any of us guys. And All tougher. Right? <laughs> right? I'm just going to, I am totally okay with admitting that women are way smarter than guys because you could just jingle keys in front of me and I'm like, pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and my train of thought is completely gone. But you just got to have the guts. You got to have grit. You got to you gotta look it in the face and stare it down and figure it out and, and understand that it's never no, man. It's how. Yeah. How do you do it? What do you have to do in order to make this work? Because you know what? There's always a way if you look hard enough. The biggest thing you could do to fuck up is give up. Your yeah. dad gave me the most important bit of advice. I've probably ever gotten from anyone. And that's, I, I came, I went to him one time and I said, you know, George, I, I, I have this thing, I'm thinking about doing it. Where do I even begin? And he said, you start at the beginning, but if you fucking start this, you would better finish it. 
Yeah. Always finish what you start. So anything I've ever done, I, I've done on my own terms. I, I left Red Central on my own terms. You know, imagine that, dude. I'm, I built that company mm-hmm. with two people. That company was my heart and my soul and my baby. And I walked away from it because I felt I had to. Mm-hmm. You know? And is it better off without me? I don't know. I hope it is. You know, but ultimately that's not for me to decide. That's for everyone else to decide. You know, all I can, all I can do is, is just look back and be very thankful for the tenure I had there and all the lives it enabled me to touch, you know, and there's never a moment, man, when someone comes up to me and they're like, creepy. And they're like, can we take a picture? Can we do this? Can you sign fucking this? And I'm like, I'm like, of course, but that will never ever not be weird to me right it's like we we live in a really fucking fucked up world when i have fans (laughs) (laughs) that's not true man anybody who's ever met you or had the pleasure to meet you or talk to you uh knows that that's not true you've got away with people that uh is unlike a lot of people i've ever met and uh you know i think that's why i'm so thrilled that you're here and uh and and I'm thrilled that that you know that you and I have been friends for as long as we've been friends, man. And you know I'm proud to call you brother, and I'm I'm proud that you are down with what we're doing here at the brigade, man. Yeah, you know? I'm always down. You know me. I, it, I I just won't get dirty. Let's do it. Well, that's what we're all about here. We're I mean, if you I don't you know like we say in the opener, man, be a motherfucking outlaw. You know what I'm saying? Like outlaws, like we don't we don't fail, we die first, right? So. Fuck it. We're in for the long haul. Uh, and you know, we're, we're coming up here. We're actually over. So I'm going to wrap this up now, but everybody, uh, you've been listening to the Romero pictures, Indie brigade podcast with your host, me, George C. Romero, Joe Ridgely. And right now we've been chatting with Steve, uncle creepy Barton, a very dear longtime friend of mine who is now joining the Indie brigade with his own little piece of the brigade. So stay tuned for updates. Stay tuned for announcements. Stay tuned for titles, format, where to find him. And all of that good shit. Steve, Thank you so uh, much. I, I love you so much, man. I'm so proud and happy you're here. Um, you know, what do you want what do you want to tell people about where they can find you or anything like that as of now? I always have a million fucking forks in the fire. How hot they each get is oh, it's debatable, but you can keep up with whatever I'm doing. Um, Uncle Creepy SB on Instagram. I'm at Uncle Creepy on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook.com Uncle Creepy or Facebook.com slash Steve Uncle Creepy Barton because I ran into that thing where I had a limit of friends that I could have on Facebook. And so I had to make myself feel really goddamn dirty and open up a fan page. And it, it fucking disturbed me today. But it, it is what it is. So, yeah, just hit me off there, man. Keep up with me message me i'm always there to talk to i'm always there to listen and i'm always there to try my fucking best to help in any way i can and thank you guys for what you're doing for filmmakers and and for the indie scene and and most of all thank you for everyone who's listening and tuned in and and feel good about yourself man you guys you guys are the future you know our time's almost fucking up, although I'm going to make a goddamn good-looking corpse that kills me. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I look forward to seeing what you guys got coming up. And most of all, I look forward to Terrifier 2. I can't wait for you cats to see what Damien and David have cooked up. It's fucking insanity. It's, it's, God, I, I wish I could talk about it, but I can't. But it, it you guys are just going to, if you liked, yeah, fan page, ARG, no shit, brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys are going to fucking dig it. And also, if you're looking for me, I've also just started a, like a, a kind of like a part-time gig on uh, on Facebook, moderating the official Halloween movies Facebook group. So I'm on there. I'm always putting up insane amounts of content there. We have we give away shit. I always make sure we're giving away shit. I like giving away shit. Yeah. Not thank you. Thank all of you guys. And I know I'm I'm talking way past my time. So just shut me the fuck up and let's. No, I'm letting you go because you're beautiful, man. I love watching you. I love talking to you. And you know, like I said, this is all about introducing, uh, introducing you to the brigade in the community that we've worked hard to build so far, and that we work hard every day and every episode, uh, and every episode of every show on our network uh, to earn that respect. Uh, Honor and a pleasure, brother. Every time, so. Love you, Steven. I'm happy you're here, and I'm proud you're here, man. Thanks. Joe, you're still not getting any ass tonight, bro. Yeah. Sorry. Married 16 years is the story of my life. I got I got to tell you, though, I'm kind of happy in some weird way that I'm one of the reasons why you're not getting laid tonight. That kind of <laughs> makes me laugh. So now you have a new nickname. Steve Cockblock Barton. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Good, good night. night. Later. What do you wow. think about that? Joe? Pretty good episode, huh? Phenomenal. That was... <laughs> I, I mean, a wealth of information, no doubt about it. I, I, I was awestruck a few times. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? I mean, the message of the brigade seems to be kind of like uh, resonating now, and I'm pretty happy about it. And Steve and I go so far back, I'm really proud he's going to come and be part of things. And, you know, once again, everybody, you've been listening to the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast with me, your host, George C. Romero, Joe Ridgely, producer extraordinaire, producer galore, producer... Ranchley? Ranchley. We'll go with that. Just call him Ranchley. Right now, we are now available on Avail TV, which is an app available on Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV. Uh, I don't know how many times I can say available in one sentence, but I just think it was a lot. Uh, all of our episodes are in the process of being uploaded to their platform, so if you want to check us out on there, make sure you go download that app and watch uh, the reruns, watch the replays, whatever you want to call them. And audio only archived are on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn, Radio Public, and Breaker. Boom. Don't forget if you're in the Louisville area on March 6th, uh, don't forget to go out and check out Chuck Daniels from the Romero Pictures Nasty Nation podcast. His band Bastard Sons of Judas Go will be playing at the Mag Bar there. Until then, everybody, I cannot thank you enough for coming out. Make sure you help us keep the lights on, keep the servers running. Go get your merch right now. Buy your Scare Tactical merch, and you'll you'll be helping us figure out how to help some veterans. And before he pulls the plug, make sure if you are watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and the bell icon so you get notified when we're on. Also, check us out on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Boom, we're everywhere. So share away. Please help us spread the word that we are trying to get out there for the creative and the filmmaker. And as always, thank you, everybody, for watching. We're very grateful for all of you. And as always, fuck off till next time. Oh, I'm supposed to hit a button now, aren't I? Yeah. Shit. You're so bad at this shit. Yeah, I can't use your new intro to do the exit, so I'm going to do this.